Turn with me in your Bibles to 1 Corinthians chapter number 9. I'm going to read in the middle, and then we'll go back. We're going to do the chapter. But uh, verse number 19, Paul says, For though I be free from all men, yet have I made myself servant unto all, that I might gain the more. And unto the Jews I became as a Jew, that I might gain the Jews. To them that are under the law, as under the law, that I might gain them that are under the law. To them that are without the law, as without law, being not without law to God, but under the law to Christ, that I might gain them that are without law. To the weak became I as weak, that I might gain the weak. I am made all things to all men, that I might by all means save some. And this I do for the gospel's sake, that I might be partaker thereof with you. Let's pray. Amen. Paul says, to the weak I became as weak, that I, he said, and this I, uh, there it is. I am, I am made all things to all men that I might by all means save some. Now, some uh, churches take that to mean that we'll, we'll do whatever we need to do to get somebody in. We'll, we'll have a big rock concert. We'll have whatever it takes. We'll have smoke. We'll have mirrors. We'll have a magician. We'll have whatever it takes to get people in so that they'll hear our 15-minute devotional. But when we look at the passage, that's not what it's saying. I just want to get that out there. Now, as we read through Corinthians, when you look at chapter number eight, we had actually looked at this last week. In chapter number eight, he talked about uh, the meat offered to idols. He said, uh, he said, now it's touching things offered unto idols. We know that we all have knowledge. Knowledge puffeth up, but charity edifieth. And if any man thinketh that he knoweth anything, he knoweth nothing yet as he ought. But if any man love the God, the same is known of him. He said, as concerning the things offered there, as concerning, therefore, the eating of those things offered in sacrifice to idols, we know that an idol is nothing in this world. And uh, we went through it. Paul, we as Christians, we know there's nothing behind an idol. We know it's just wood or stone. We know there's nothing behind it. But they were buying the meat in the shambles, and, and Paul's whole the whole gist when we talk about uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 8 and the message last week and the message this week is putting yourself aside for the gospel. When you're witnessing the people, our concern ought to be winning them to Christ. And this is the gist of what's Paul, what Paul is saying. He said, uh, verse number 8 in uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 8, But meat commendeth us not to God, for neither if we eat are we the better, neither if we eat not are we the worse, but take heed, lest by any means that this liberty of yours become a stumbling block to them that are weak. And then he says, uh, he says, for if any man see thee which has knowledge, sit at meat in the idol's temple, shall not the conscience of him which is weak be emboldened to eat those things which are offered? And through thy knowledge shall a weak brother perish for whom Christ died. But when you so sin against the brethren and wound their weak conscience, you sin against Christ. Verse number 13 is the money verse. He said, wherefore, if meat make any brother to offend, I will eat no flesh while the world standeth lest I make my brother to offend. If I could put it into modern terms, if there was something wrong in somebody's mind about ice cream, I mean, this is just to kind of jerk you right back to where we are, right? 
if there was anything wrong with ice cream, if it was associated with Satan and if it was associated with idol worship or something like that or took somebody back to the wrong place, may, may I say you ought to put the spoon down? Because it's more important that they learn about Christ, that they get to spend an eternity in heaven rather than spending an eternity in hell because you couldn't stay away from Bluebell. I don't know how to make these illustrations any better than that. I like ice cream. So chapter number nine, in that context, because we know the chapter numbers weren't there in the beginning, right? In that context, Paul is straightening out these Corinthians. They're self-centered. They're thinking about themselves in all things. The whole, the whole book of 1 Corinthians starts out with them arguing back and forth. I am of Paul. I am of Apollos. I am of Cephas. They were lining up behind different people. Paul begins to straighten them out on all these different things. And here he's straightening them out on putting someone else and their walk with the Lord before their own walk. So in chapter number 9, verse 1, he says... And he gives himself for an example. This is the way Paul does. He says, am I not an apostle? Am I not free? Have I not seen Jesus Christ our Lord? Are you not my work in the Lord? He said, if I be not an apostle unto others, yet doubtless I am to you. In other words, regardless of whatever I am to anybody else, I am definitely an apostle to you. You've seen the miracles. You've, you've heard the testimony. You've heard me preach. Many of you got saved under my ministry. I'm adding a lot in there, but this comes from other parts of what Paul says. He says, if, uh, verse number three, mine answer to them that do examine me is this. Have we not power to eat and to drink? Have we not power to lead about a sister, a wife, as well as other apostles and as the brethren of the Lord and Cephas? Now, what he's doing here, just to put you in context, Paul is about to talk about the things that he could do. As his position, his position as an apostle is uh, you, you go back to the book of Acts. You remember in the book of Acts in uh, chapter number six, I think it was chapter number seven. They uh, they were having trouble with giving out, giving out to the widows. The, the Greek widows weren't being ministered to. The apostles said it's not fit that we should leave the word of God to wait tables. In other words, the apostles were handling all the money. They were taking it in. They were redistributing it to those who had need, and it wasn't getting done effectively. And they were like, this is taking up way too much time. They said, choose you out seven men from among you, full of faith, full of the Holy Spirit. And he let, they let them choose them, and they'll take care of the ministry or take care of the, the distribution so that we can stay with the Word of God, so that we can learn the Word of God, so we can pray pray and we can teach and spend our time doing that. But Paul here is saying, am I not apostle? Am I not free? Have I not seen Jesus Christ? That's the proof of his apostleship. He said, uh, our Lord, are you not my work in the Lord? Go back to verse number five. He says, have we not power, uh, verse number four, have we not power to eat and to drink? He just talked about that liberty in Christ, that ability to eat and drink. So he's going to lay out these things that he can do, but then he's going to tell you something when we get to that. Have we not power to lead about his sister, a wife, as well as other apostles, and as the brethren of the Lord and Cephas? And this is true. A minister can have a wife. 
that uh, the whole celibacy thing, it doesn't apply here. Paul says he has the power to lead about a wife, a sister or a wife. And uh, as the brethren and the Lord and the Cephas, he's talking about Peter. He said, or I only in Barnabas have we not power to forbear working. In other words, not to work, to live off the ministry. He says, who goeth the warfare any time of his own charges? Who planteth the vineyard and eateth not of the fruit thereof? Or who feedeth the flock and eateth not of the milk of the flock? Say I these things as a man, or saith not the law the same also? He said, for it is written in the law of Moses, thou shalt not muzzle the, ox, the, muzzle the mouth of the ox that treadeth out the corn. Doth God take care for oxen? You know, last week I was going to change the, already smiling. Last week uh, I talked about changing the sign. I said, well, I'm going to put, thou shalt not muzzle the ox. Because all this, all this face mask stuff. I was thinking that'd just make a nice little political state. That's that's what kept me back from it. I didn't want to be too political, but I said, man, that would be funny. Thou shalt not muzzle the ox. And then I was telling uh, Rachel and Veronica this morning, I said, I should have done it because that's where the message is this morning. But he's talking about the preachers being paid. And he's talking about being able to live off the gospel. You have full-time ministers. You have bivocational ministers. This isn't to speak of all it. Paul is setting the stage here. But I remember when I first started preaching, I had a real good job at the power plant, and I, I had surrendered to preach under Brother Grady Stokes over there at Calvary Baptist Church in Georgia, and he gave me the opportunity to preach. I was making pretty good money. I had a full-time job. I had shift work. I had overtime, and we were covered. I tell you what, when I got that job, I'll tell you how good it was. It was so nice for the first time in my life to go up to Sears and say, how much do we owe you? <laughs> That's how good a job it was for us. So the idea that this little church, and it was about as big as this one, but the idea that this little church would pay me for preaching when I'm not even the pastor, it just blew my mind. And when I got done preaching after the service, Brother Grady had Ronnie hand me a check. I said, Brother Grady, I, I don't need this. I I work. He said, Brother Keith, I'm trying to teach you something. And that always stuck with me. So let me tell you something. You ever going to give the preacher money? Just understand. I'll just accept it. I, I went to give our preacher money one time just to, just to, just to help him. You know, bills, whatever. And he said, I can't accept this, Brother Keith. And, uh, it hurt. It hurt because I wanted to give. I, uh, I'm trying to say this in the right way so that, you don't under, so that you don't misunderstand. I'm not walking around with my hand out. That's not what I'm doing. Uh, when, brother, when the church was giving me money, it hurt in a way. But Brother Grady said, I want to teach you something. And it's the same as when someone pays you a compliment and you just say thank you. You know, the tendency was to argue, well, you know, you give the Lord credit, just say thank you and let it go. You know, you all understand that? Am I making myself clear on this? I don't want y'all walking away saying, Brother Keith, you know, he'll he'll just hand his hand out. I don't want you you to come away with that point of view. But what Brother Grady was trying to teach me is the Lord takes care of his people. And he does it through the ministry. The person that gives gets a blessing. The person that receives gets a blessing. 
But here Paul, he's talking about, he's explaining how it's biblical that the man of God gets taken care of in the ministry. And if you got the wrong thing, just hang on because it'll switch here. He says, who go with the warfare at any time at his own charges? He, talk, he gives some examples here. You have warfare. You have an army. You have a modern army. You know, it was a weird thing when I first went into the Navy and got a paycheck. I just, I didn't quite understand how things were. It's like, man, they're feeding us, they're housing us. I got over that pretty quick. <laughs> <laughs> but it was just a weird thing that the idea, you know, you, I mean, they take care of every aspect. You, you got clothes to wear. They don't buy your civvies. You got to do that. But, uh, and if you stay out at sea too long, you come back and your civvies are kind of out of date. I noticed that too. I remember a fellow still had bell bottoms or something like that. It was kind of embarrassing. It's like, you've been out at sea too long. But, uh, yeah, it was 88. And uh, he said, who go at the warfare any time at his own charges? He said, who planteth a vineyard and eateth not of the fruit thereof? You know, that's just one little line to us. But planting the vineyard, that's taking care of the ground. That's taking care of the grapes. That's taking care of the vines being out there. Checking for bugs, that's being out there every day, taking care of it, dressing it, trimming it back, knowing what to do, studying it, seeing and, and helping it to grow as much as possible. The idea that somebody that does that can't partake of the, of the fruit that comes off of that. He says, who planteth the vineyard and eateth not of the fruit thereof, or feedeth the flock and eateth not of the milk of the flock? Say I these things as a man, or saith not the law also? In other words, Paul's saying, is this just me saying it? Doesn't it say it in the law? And then he gives an example. He goes back to Deuteronomy. He says, for it is written in the law of Moses, thou shalt not muzzle the ox, the mouth of the ox that treadeth out the corn. Doth God take care for the oxen? See, it was an unusual thing in the Old Testament. God looks at the heart. We know that. This is what I preach. God looks at the heart. We think everything's on the outside. God looks at your heart. God knows your heart. He knows your mindset. You can, you can dress yourself up all you want, but inside, there can be dead men's. I, I think I say this every sermon, Donna. But when you go back to Deuteronomy, when God set out his law, this was what he was setting out. He set out certain provisions for the poor, and he set out certain provisions for taking care of an oxen. You imagine somebody that's greedy in their business, and they're out there plowing the field with the oxen. Or they're out there reaping from the corn. And the first thing they do is put a muzzle on the ox so that he can't walk by and grab a piece of corn. But it's in the heart. God says, thou shalt not muzzle the mouth of the ox that treadeth out the corn. As he's walking out there, let him grab what he wants. And then God also made a provision for when you're bringing in the crops. And uh, he, he said to leave the corners for the stranger, for the poor. You see that in the book of Ruth, the gleanings. But he's saying that it's, it's okay for those that work, those that labor, to receive the fruit of their labor. He says, uh, verse number 10, or saith it all together for our saith he, for it is written in the law of Moses, thou shalt not muzzle the mouth of the ox that treadeth out the corn. Doth God take care for the oxen? Or saith he it all together for our sakes? For our sakes, no doubt, it, this is written, that he that ploweth should plow in hope, and he that thresheth in hope should be partaker of this hope. 
So everyone that works on it should be able to participate in the fruits of it. They should get paid for it. They should get taken care of. This is a biblical principle. And Christian, if you're getting free work off somebody or you're cutting them back, oh, you, you know, I mean, it's, it's kind of like that whole deposit when you go to rent a house or something or an apartment. You know, the landlord that hangs on to that deposit, well, there's a speck of dirt on the carpet. I'm not, you're not getting your deposit back. You ever dealt with people like that? This didn't happen all the time, but, you know, one time we had rented a trailer and I wanted that deposit back so bad. When I left, she said, you know, this is the first time I hadn't had to prepare the trailer for the next renter. <laughs> so I get my deposit back. That's what you're saying. He said uh, that thresheth in hope, everybody, whether they're plowing, whether they're threshing, you know, taking benefit at the end or the beginning. You know, you go to witnessing, uh, illustration was given. You know, the evangelist comes in for the week and preaches a great revival. And many people get saved. Many souls get saved. And it's like, oh, he's a great evangelist. He's, he's led people to the Lord. And, you know, we're, we'll give him a big offering. But what's not seen, what's not said are those who have planted the seeds. You know, we talked about that in Sunday school, right? Planting the seeds. Well, just, just those just those. Words, those words fitly spoken that, that ride on someone's heart, that prepare someone's heart for that harvest that takes place. You may not be the one to, to reap. You can be the one to plant. You may be the one that reaped, but don't get full of yourself. You might not have been the one that planted. He said, uh, verse number 11, if we have sown unto you spiritual things, is it a great thing if we reap your carnal things? Now, again, Paul's laying the foundation here. He's, he's saying, these are the privileges that I have. And these are Paul's privileges. And by the way, the title of my message is get out of the way. But these are the privileges that Paul has. That he, could, he could accept money. He could, he could forbear working. He was a tent maker. When he would go into a town, he would work to earn money. And especially with the Corinthian church, because they were so carnal, Paul refused to take money from them because he didn't want And we're going to read about that in a minute. He said, if we have sown unto you spiritual things, is it a great thing if we shall reap your carnal things? If others be partakers of this power over you, are not we rather? Nevertheless, we have not used this power, but suffer all things. Why? Lest we should hinder the gospel of Christ. Now, before you take that, and some people will take that and say, well, you know, the preacher ought to work for free. You know, I got a full-time job and all that. This isn't a defense. I, I, I feel weird talking about, I, just, let, just let me get that out on the table. I feel weird talking about paying a preacher. But when someone is freed up in their life to take care of the gospel, to take care of the church, there's a difference. But uh, anyway. Do you not know that they which minister, that they which minister about the holy things live of the things of the temple, and they which wait at the altar are partakers with the altar? You go back into the Old Testament, and God set it up so that the tribe of Levi, all the 12 tribes of Israel, all the other 11 tribes, they got an inheritance. They got land when they went into the promised land. But the one tribe that was responsible for taking care of that were the, the tribe of Levi, the Levitical priesthood. They were, 
They were in charge of the tabernacle. They were in charge of the altar. They were in charge of the ministry. Their, their income or their food all came from the offerings given to the tabernacle, given to God. They lived off of those offerings. They didn't have an inheritance. They didn't have their own land. They lived off of the ministry. That's the way God set it up. Even so, hath the Lord ordained that they which preach the gospel should live of the gospel. But I have used none of these things, neither, neither have I written these things, that it should so be done unto me. For it were better for me to die than that any man should make my glory void. Paul said, I didn't want anybody to confuse it with the gospel. He says, okay, there's sometimes some people need it. Like uh, Brother David Drake, remember our missionary that came? He's living off the offerings. He's, he's going around and he's raising, uh, I know y'all know this. I'm looking out here. I know y'all get this. But Brother David Drake and his family, we don't just take care of Brother Drake, Brother David, but we take care of the family when they come. <clears throat> he says, even so, hath the Lord ordained that they which preach the gospel should live of the gospel, but I have used none of these things, neither have I written these things, that it should be so done unto me, for it were better for me to die than that any man should make my glorying void. He said, for though I preach the gospel, I have nothing to glory of, for necessity is laid upon me. Yea, woe is unto me if I preach not the gospel. There's a burden when you surrender to preach. There's a burden that God gives someone to preach. There's, there's been so many times, probably shouldn't even admit it, there have been so many times like God didn't call me, God didn't, but it, 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 you can't hold back. There's a compulsion. There's a desire to preach this in there. He says, uh, for though I preach the gospel, I have nothing to glory of, for necessity is laid upon me. Yea, woe is unto me if I preach not the gospel. For if I do this willingly, I have a reward. But if against my will, a dispensation of the gospel is committed against me. You go back into the Old Testament and look at Jonah. Jonah is a good example of this. Jonah was called a prophet of God. And God had told Jonah, we don't, know, we don't know what took place between Jonah and God before then. It just starts out with this. God told Jonah to go to Nineveh, that great city, and preach against, the, you know, preach to them. And uh, he said, I'm going to destroy them because of their sin. And Jonah, unlike Paul, he got on a ship and headed the other direction. We know the story of Jonah. We know about the storm. We know about all that. We know about Jonah getting, uh, tell him, look, the problem is me. <laughs> he had a dispensation of the gospel against him. Amen. They're caught up in a storm. He said, look, I know that I'm wrong. I ran from what God told me. He said, throw me into the water and all this will stop. And they prayed. They didn't want to throw him into the water. They were praying to their gods. They were praying to his God. They didn't want to throw him in the water, but they did. And then Jonah had a turnabout while he was in the well, and he, he, he got back to shore. I tell you what, the, the picture John Phillips painted of this was Jonah sitting in an inn, kind of hiding in the corner because he'd been in the belly of the well, and the, you know they talk about how his look was changed. 
in the belly of the well. Talk about Jonah sitting in the corner and some man coming up and talking to him and saying, well, where are you headed? He said, I'm headed to Nineveh. He said, Nineveh? What are you going to do there? He said, well, I'm going to preach. Well, you're going to preach in Nineveh? You know what they do to people? <laughs> you go there and preach and tell them they're sinning. They're going to hang you up. They're going to string you. They're going to flay you alive. And uh, he said, I, he painted a good picture. He said, Jonah leans into the light. And he said, I, I'd rather do what God told me. Because <laughs> let me tell you what happens when you don't do what God tells you. So y'all get this, right? He said, for if I do this willingly, I have a reward. But if against my will, a dispensation of the gospel is committed unto me. Another example is Balaam. Balaam wanted so bad to curse Israel because there was a lot of money in it for him. But he said, I can't do more than what God tells me to do. I can't go against God. He gets up there and Balak puts him up there and he sets him up nice and cushy and he tells him to curse Israel for him because he wants to get rid of these people. And uh, Balaam gets up there and he blesses him. He moves him to another spot, hoping that'll help, you know, maybe a different angle. He, he, he gets up there and he speaks and he blesses him. He was, he was going against God. So verse number 18, he said, uh, verse number 17, this dispensation of the gospel is committed against me. He said, what is my reward then? Verily that when I preach the gospel... I may make the gospel of Christ without charge that I abuse not my power in the gospel. What's Paul's reward for it? Why? He could accept the money. He could, he could take the pay. He could, he could have done that with the Corinthians as much as he did anywhere else. I mean, Paul worked, but there were people that gave him love offerings and things like that. But for the Corinthians in particular, he knew how carnal they were. And he didn't want to get in the way. And this is where the title of the sermon, Get Out of the Way. He didn't want to get in the way. Somebody told me a long time ago, uh, it was Jim Mueller when I was in the Navy. And he, he was into the self-help thing and uh, how to win friends and influence enemies and things like that. But he told me something and it just stuck with me. He said, perception is reality. What someone perceives, you only know them, you may only know someone for a short period of time. And you can, you can go all kinds of different ways with this, but you only know someone for a short period of time. Someone comes to visit the church or something like that, or you meet someone in public. You're flying with them on a plane, sitting on the jump seats, right? But their perception of you becomes reality. You ever heard someone say, you don't know me? <laughs> there's, because there's so much to look past. I mean, you only have so much time to judge someone, you know, to figure out who they are. Can I trust them or can I not? When you got five minutes, all you have is what to look at. You don't really know them. So your perception of that person becomes a reality. I know this isn't Bible, but this is a way to tie this together. Paul when he saw the Corinthians, he knew that they were carnal and he wanted nothing to get in the way of the gospel. He has spent the whole book of Corinthians, and we've been preaching through it, but he has spent the whole book of Corinthians telling them, it's the power of God. It's not my, it's not my preaching. It's not 
you know, I didn't get up here with man's wisdom. I used God's wisdom. I didn't get up here and try to tell you all this man's wisdom. I got up here and preached to you in the power of the Holy Spirit. And here Paul is saying, I had the opportunity to take the money from you, but I'm not going to do it because I don't want it to get in the way. And their perception would have been that Paul was just there for money. How many people have you met? All these preachers are just about money. I got one in my own family that hadn't been to, ever been to church because at one time he got convinced. I told you all this story before, but he, he said, I was thinking about going to church. And I, sw- I swear, I, I've never been able to confirm this, never understood it. They came by to visit the house, and they were inviting me to church. And, you know, I was thinking about going. And they said, okay, would you like to start your tithe? And it's like, I just had trouble believing somebody would do that. But ever since then, all church is about is money. And he didn't go. He ain't never been. And he probably won't go. Because his perception is that all it's about is money. Apparently all this sermon's about is money. <laughs> but he says, uh, what is my reward for not taking the pay? He said, his reward is that when I preach the gospel, I may make the gospel of Christ without charge that I abuse not my power in the gospel. He's getting out of the way. He doesn't want them to be able to blame anything else when it comes to knowing Christ. He said, For though I be free from all men, yet have I made myself a servant unto all that I might gain the more. Paul is saying, I don't owe anybody anything. They don't know me. And he says elsewhere that God's the one who judges, right? And unto the Jews I became as a Jew, that I might gain the Jews to them that are under the law, as under the law, that I might gain them that are under the law. Look at Acts chapter number 16. Acts chapter number 16. Now here Paul's with Timothy. Verse 1, Then came he to Derbe and Lystra, and behold, a certain disciple was there named Timotheus, the son of a certain woman, which was a Jewess, and believed, but his father was a Greek. So Timothy's father was a Gentile, and Timothy's mother was a Jew. Which was, verse number two, which was well reported of by the brethren that were at Lystra and Iconium. Verse number three, him would Paul have to go forth with him and took and circumcised him because the Jews which were in those quarters, for they knew all that his father was a Greek. So there Paul is thinking about those who are going to be witnessing to. They know Timothy's father is a Greek, but Paul wants him to keep the law so that he can witness to those that have the law. You use your judgment on that. You let God lead. But when I started this off, I talked about how a lot of people use this. He said, I become all things to all men. It doesn't mean you become a deceptive snake. But it just means meeting people on their level. If you meet somebody that's a, a, a preacher that can, that can witness to someone that's a professional and at the top of their career, as much as they can reach down and put stuff on the bottom shelf to somebody who's had a hard life, you know, you become all things to all men, able to reach them at their point in time, at their place. He said, let every man, he said, uh, verse number uh, 
going back. Verse number 20, and unto the Jews I became as a Jew that I might gain the Jews. To them that are under the law as under the law that I might gain them that are under the law. To them that are without the law, that's the Gentile, as without the law. But he says he's not going to be lawless. He says, being not without law to God, but under the law to Christ, that I might gain them that are without the law. To the weak I became as weak, that I might gain the weak. He said, I am made all things to all men, that I might by all means save some. And this I do for the gospel's sake, that I might be partaker thereof with you. And then he goes into another section, and I want to continue on with it to keep it in context, because this is one even I have broken off and talked about running the race. And he talks about, he goes on to say, and keeping it in context, he says, Know ye not that they which run a race run all, but one receiveth the prize, so run that ye may obtain. And every man that striveth for the mastery is temperate in all things, and now they do it to obtain a corruptible crown, but we an incorruptible. Paul's continuing on with that thought, and he says we're in a race. We've got to put these things aside. We have to put ourselves aside. We have to get out of the way in order to witness to other people. And just to finish it up, he said, I therefore so run, not as uncertainly, so fight I, not as one that beateth the air, but I keep under my body and bring it into subjection, lest that by any means, lest that by any means, when I have preached to others, I myself should be a castaway.